welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 828. There was a murmur from the crowd, and I stopped walking. Uncertain what to do, after a moment's thought, I laid my own training sword down by the side of the path and continued to walk. Carceret waited in the center of a flat, grassy circle, about thirty feet across. The ground was soft here, so I wouldn't ordinarily worry about being thrown. Ordinarily. Bachette had taught me the difference between throwing someone to the ground and throwing someone at the ground. The first was what you did during a polite bout. The second was what you would use in a true fight, where the intention was to maim or kill your opponent. Before I came too close, I fell into the now-familiar fighter's crouch. I raised my hands, bent my knees, and fought the urge to rise up onto the balls of my feet, knowing I would feel quicker and ruin my balance as a result. I took a deep, steadying breath and slowly moved toward her. Carceret fell into a similar crouch, and just as I was coming to the outside limits of her reach, she made a feint toward me. It was only a slight twitch of the hand and shoulder. But, anxious as I was, I fell for it wholeheartedly and skittered away like a startled rabbit. Carceret lowered her hand and stood up straight, abandoning her fighting crouch. Amusement, she gestured broadly. Invitation. Then she beckoned with both hands, I heard a few pieces of laughter drift up from the crowd below. Humiliating as her attitude was, I was eager to take advantage of her lowered guard. I moved forward and made a cautious attempt at hands like knives. Too cautious. And she stepped away from it without even needing to lift her hands. I knew I was outclassed as a fighter. That meant my only hope was to play on her already hot emotions. If I could infuriate her, she might make mistakes. If she made mistakes, I might be able to win. First came Kale, I said, giving her my widest, most barbaric smile. Carceret took a half step closer. I am going to crush your pretty hands, she hissed in perfect Aturin. As she spoke, she reached out and made a vicious, gripping motion at me. She was trying to scare me, make me recoil and lose my balance. And honestly, the raw venom in her voice made me want to do just that. But I was ready. I resisted my reflex to pull back. In doing so, I froze for a moment, neither retreating nor advancing. Of course, this is what Carceret was truly waiting for, a half-moment's hesitation as I fought the urge to flee. She closed on me in a single easy step and caught my wrist, her hand tight as a band of iron. Without thinking, I used Kellyanne's curious two-handed version of break end of the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. 
I just realized I said Kellyanne instead of Celine because that's how Nick read it earlier. Ha <laughs> ha The brain worms are infecting me. you. A sort of a slug slithering into your ears and pressing itself into the folds of your brain. Yeah, please, please stop that description. It's freaking me out. <laughs> Wrapping itself around the crevices of your brain. That's right, although, of course, once a month it has to return to the yerk pool to soak up the uh, the rays. What the? What is a yerk? Oh, Jordana, to find that out, you'll have to listen to, you know, an episode that's coming up, maybe. Wait. Or possibly has already been oh, posted. Oh, this is, this is our Patreon episode. No, it's our month. April Fool's episode. This will come out much after April Fool's, so. It's oh. Animorphs, Jordana. I'm oh. telling you, you should read Animorphs. It's great. I have so many things on my to-be-read list. It's definitely never happening. I'm sorry. There's only like 80 books. <laughs> only. And they're, and they're each like 100 pages long. I don't even know if I'll ever read 80 books in my lifetime. <laughs> well, you could if they were... You've already read... Like, I've probably read about longer... quite a bit, but I don't remember a lot of yeah, the books I've the, read. The, so. the books that we've been reading for this podcast are eight, eight Animorphs worth of book. Oh, really? So they're very little books. Yeah. Huh. What, what's, what's the age before young adult? Because I would put them... They're middle grade. Okay, yeah, I'd put them, like, built, not that there's a tier, but I would say they're, like... Yeah, that makes sense. It'd be, like, what, grades, like, four to six? Or... I'd say a precocious sixth grader would find something to enjoy in Animorphs, but I would maybe put them a little older than that, but... Oh, no, see, been, I think they're a bit it's younger. It's been quite a okay. while. Oh, yeah? Okay, well, it's been a while you know, since I was... all my friends were reading them in, like, fourth grade. Yeah, but you and all your friends were nerds. Yeah, but even my friends who were not nerds were reading them. I remember them as being a schoolyard book, which would put them ahead of before. That, that would be before grade seven. Truly, halcyon days. That's how you can tell you're in a, a prosperous time when there is a schoolyard book. Well, there's a schoolyard, so. Yeah, but it's like when it's hip and cool to be like into a book or like a series of books. Indeed, yes. Yeah, you know you're in the right time zone. <laughs> That's right. Not Tamagotchi, not Pogs. I mean, those were all so cool. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I was babysitting someone's Tamagotchi while I was reading Animorphs. Actually, I'm too young for Pogs, but Ugh. I remember Crazy Bones. Yeah, crazy Bones were good. Anything that had like a game that wasn't total bullshit attached to it was... Uh... And Tamagotchis are coming back. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it goes in... Everything old is new again. Uh, Pogs are back, too. Are they really? What Are they, are are they, they NFTs really? now? Pogs never left. <laughs> They're back in Pog form. <laughs> I still can't wrap my head around the Pog game. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Is it just, like, flicking little cardboard discs at each other? Is that not the entire no, thing? No, no, you've got, like, a hard, like, plastic disc that's, like, a poker chip that you smash the stack of pogs with. Yeah, it's it's really just, like, a very simple so it's gambling game. Teaching kids the important things. How to gamble. Yeah, at least Crazy Bones was marbles, but with little little guys. Um, I definitely, I heard about, like, the ruthless version of marbles, after after I was done playing it as a child, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad I never played like the ruthless version of marbles." Because apparently, the ruthless like, version. when they knock marble. your marble out of the ring, they get to yeah. keep it. No way, man! I would be so pissed about that. I like I I collected the most fanciest of marbles. Well, Jordana, you know what a a true marble gamer would say to that? Get good, scrub. Yeah, don't lose. That's why there's yeah. Stakes. Don't want to lose your marbles? Don't lose. That's why there's that expression to lose your marbles. Or you could just like play a nice fair game like like me and my friends did where we played the game and if and if your marbles got knocked out before someone else's marbles, well then you lost the game. Ah, I did lose the game. 
That, thanks a lot, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the, the, uh, that's the fad that I'm glad is gone. Although it's never truly gone, is it? It's No, it's only gone as long as you forget about it. And now all of our listeners will also have lost. That's right. It's wormed your way deep inside your head like a sort of slug from another planet that, that folds itself into the crevices between your, your gray matter. Okay, now that we're like nine minutes into the episode, can we talk about the page? <laughs> what do you, What do you got? What do you got? The choreography here is really like moment to moment. And I, I love this this stuff in a book where you get into the fighters' heads and you see why they're making the decisions that they're making. You see like how they're thinking about the terrain, how they're thinking about their opponent. Like that's the kind of thing that it's ha- really hard to pull off in like a movie or or a TV show, but it's it's something you can kind of only pull off in a medium where you have access to the main character's inner monologue delightful and it's also like building tension in a really interesting way at the same time that i've just said that like i'm liking what this fight could be doing that a movie couldn't do i'm also finding it very easy to picture what's happening in the way that it would be filmed right she faints and he flinches back and everyone kind of laughs and then she like bruce lee like gestures him come on come on let's go and then he he makes an attack and it doesn't quite go where he wants to wants it to go she like easily deflects it and then she tells him i'm gonna mangle you and and she makes a threat she threatens the thing that he cares most about and that makes me wonder how did she know that the thing that would freak him out the most would be to threaten his pretty hands Mm, that's a good question i'm sure carceret has like informants on the inside or something like who is she getting is she getting celian i don't know probably someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows yeah, we know they like to gossip. I'm not saying that there's someone like betraying Quoth. I just I think it's that. I think that people talk and it gets it gets around. Well, maybe the guy who works in the kitchen, who's uh, uh, was kind of like there to teach Quoth a lesson, maybe someone saw that conversation and it got back to yeah. Carceret. Maybe maybe he just has pretty hands and they're crushable. Maybe he does. Um, I think that Carceret is whatever the atom equivalent of a showman is. Mm-hmm. She's a good. She's good at showboating. She's good at working the crowd in whatever way the Adam crowd get work. She's a classic wrestling heel. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, that makes sense. I was say I can't. I cannot deny the wrestling heel similarities, but I also feel like it's a little contradictory to some of the overarching themes of the culture that we notice. Are you seeing that someone who is a cultural chauvinist? doesn't actually live up to the stated values of that culture, except when it's convenient to her. That's really insightful, Jordana. Is it? I'm confused by Jeremy's response. No, un- 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 unironically, unironically, <laughs> that's a really, that's, I hadn't picked up on that, but that's actually a really extremely salient read. And I think as Jeremy's tone reveals is actually an extremely prevalent attitude among cultural think of all the christians who don't actually act according to christian values except when it's convenient and instead use those stated ideals as a way to put other people down make themselves feel good derive i get it power over other people it makes sense it's sad though yeah (laughs) (laughs) it is sad i'm afraid that hypocrites are all too common unfortunately in real life it's very difficult to score a crit on a hippo yes they're vicious they're definitely yeah they're they're high cr irl 
Yeah, they're they're pretty tough. They've got like high AC. Or if you're playing second ed, they Nerds. have low AC. <laughs> Card carrying, certifiable. I think Foth is correct in that if he's going to have any chance at all in this fight, it's by making her lose her cool. And I think he has picked a correct target to make her lose her cool. Big time. Wait, I'm confused. What was the correct target? When he says first came Chael, he starts reciting the ATAS of all the, the history of everyone who's had his sword up until now, which is going to end with her mom. Yeah. Doesn't really commit to that, though. You could see this going on where he actually gets pretty deep into it, but he just throws that line and then kind of abandons it. But it's like, I like that he tried it, you know, and we'll talk tomorrow about what actually gets to her, what actually is like the rage and the shame. But it was he's he's fundamentally right about her, and I think that's a good attempt. Mm-hmm. I I don't I think that it is a partial success too. I think if the fight go, had gone on longer and he wasn't likely to get winded by doing it, then he might continue to recite the ATAS. But it's actually very hard to talk for any length of time when you're in a fight. Yes, reasonable. Anything else to say on this page? Uh, no, but I'm excited for the next one. Yeah, that. Well, we do have one more letter in the chamber, but it's a little bit long, so maybe let's hold off for a shorter page, which we have one coming up. We sure do. Listeners, you can stay tuned for that. That's right. And whatever you do, don't let the yurks slither into your ears while you sleep. Stop talking about it! And press themselves into your brain and control you. We hate to be controlled, don't we, folks? We don't like being controllers. Consumers, yes. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that all the Animorph kids are being controlled? No, 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 no. They're they're fighting against the Yurks who are controlling people. Although there is at least one book where where the the protagonist, the um, the narrator gets gets yurked. gets uh, yeah gets yurked. And so we wait, wait, wait. What are the Animorphs, the aliens that are the Animorphs? What do they get out of this whole situation? Why are they helping? Well, the Animorphs are humans. The Animorphs are humans. Okay, we're gonna take this <laughs> off the air. We'll see you tomorrow on another page of the wind. <laughs>